This is Review and Preview on The Wave, the sound of LIU. Good evening and welcome to Review and Preview, folks. I am your host, Tom Scavetta, Join alongside James Montefusco. Welcome back and Fonz DeFalco, third week in a row. What a streak. Yeah. And we'll keep it going through the remainder of the summer. Welcome back, Fonz. Reminder, folks, you can tune in to our live episode tonight of Review and Preview on The Wave. That is the sound of LIU at liuwave.org. You can catch us every Friday night from 8 to 10 p.m., although we will not be airing next Friday night. We will not have a show. We'll have another dark episode. If you want to call in tonight, questions, thoughts, comments, you can beep us at 516-299-2030. Follow and subscribe to our podcast at anchor.fm slash review and preview. Follow us on Instagram and Twitter. And tonight's show, you know, we'll just do a quick shout-out. This will be dedicated to the death of Tyler Skaggs and Jared Lorenzen, former Super Bowl champion of the Giants. And Lorenzen, uh, former starter for the Los Angeles Angels, Tyler Skaggs. Uh, We... uh, Wish them and their families the best and terrible news. But, James, as Giants fans, quick, before we dive into the Mets uh, and Fonz, I don't know if you know this. I know you're a Ravens fan, but no. Jared Lorenzen was the backup quarterback for the Giants when they won Super Bowl Forty Two against New England. And every week they practiced a drill in practice where you had to hold on to the ball while the other quarterbacks were trying to bring you down. Yeah. And Jared Lorenzen, being weighing 315 pounds as a backup quarterback, Without them practicing that drill, Manning does not get out of the Richard Seymour potential sack and the helmet catch to David Tyree does not happen. Wow, I did not know that. So Lorenzen played a critical part in that game, that play. Yeah, no, we we were talking about it before, Tom, earlier, and we were saying that, you know, the helmet catch was great, but without him the helmet catch would have never been. The play does not happen without Manning escaping the pocket like that. And, I mean, if you watch the video, it's nearly identical. Mm -hmm. So quite, quite alarming. Rest in peace, Jared Lorenzen. Okay, so the Mets, uh, look, they continue to pummel down. They are not a good baseball team. Uh, They've had their fair share of moments this season, Fonz. And James, but, I mean, it hasn't really been looking good. They're playing the Phillies tonight. The Grom back on the mound. They're down one nothing. Seems like every time the Grom is out there, no run support. Uh, you know, it's a real shame. But, uh, you know, earlier this month, we talked about, will the Mets survive June? That was the key for the Mets this June. And you're sitting here at 39 and 48 nine games below 500 in fourth place, 12 and a half back of the Phillies, I'm sorry, the Braves, six and a half back of the wild card. Did they really survive June? Eh, not debate. really. Yeah, debate. You can, you can toss up, really. James? I'm going with the same answer. No. I, I think it really depends yeah. on who you ask and if what bright spots came out of June. How you feeling that day, really? Yeah. <laughs> well, it depends how you feel about losing eight out of your last ten games. Exactly what that entails. So, you know. <laughs> not fun. Yeah. No, not fun at all. 
However, Peter Alonzo, the Mets rookie, had a fantastic June. He broke the rookie home run record for the Mets. He is a participant in the home run derby. Yes, he is. And he is an all-star reserve in a National League that is crowded with top-tier first basemen. So the fact that he made the all-star roster is fantastic. Yeah, I mean, you see, you guys see it. Every game he puts on a show for the fans. Yeah. Either hitting home runs or just doing what Pete Alonso does. I mean, I was just on Facebook uh, five minutes before the show, and he, tonight, Jerry Seinfeld threw out the first pitch, and he gave a hand uh, autograph back to Jerry Seinfeld. Very nice. Yeah. Yeah. So he he's a good stand-up guy for this team and for what us Met fans are watching. He's kind of the only bright spot in my eyes at the moment, along with Jeff McNeil, um, them two together. But Pete Alonso has been fantastic. With a lot of dark times right now, uh, <laughs> as you could – well, maybe – yeah, we'll say that. Uh, those two guys, McNeil and Alonso, are the two guys that, yeah, I'll still watch a game and see how both of them are doing. Yeah. Exactly, and speaking of Jeff McNeil, the best batting average in baseball, the leader in MLB batting average is Jeff McNeil at 349. So he's hitting 350 this year uh, into July. Pretty impressive. What he's three months do. into the season, Fonz. Yeah. Keeping that same intensity up, which you like to see. Which, I mean, you'd wish the whole team would, but, you know. <laughs> We'll take it from Jeff McNeil. It's not easy to do, folks. It's very difficult to hit 350 at the major league level, you know, especially in the National League. You're going up against Max Scherzer. You're going up against Aaron Nola. I mean, you're going up against big aces, Patrick Corbin, Steven Strasburg. Big names. Yeah. Yeah. So let's recap the week that was for the Mets. They lost the weekend series to the Braves 2-1. to one. Fonz, we were debating this last week. On how many games we thought the Mets would take in this series, yeah. we both said one, yeah. and we both said the Saturday game. They won on Sunday. Well, close. we were close. Yeah, <laughs> we were we were close there. Luckily, we fortunately did not have to watch Saturday's game for obvious reasons. Yeah, but um, <laughs> back to Friday, the Mets lost six to two again. Degrom pitched last Friday night against Mike Soroka. DeGrom, three runs, six hits, and six innings. It's not bad, but you're going up against Soroka, a fantastic pitcher for the Braves, who has a very good ERA. And the only source of offense in this game was a Peter Alonzo home run. Again, uh, the last couple of starts, DeGrom has not had the run support. He hasn't, and it's affected his record this season. He's going into the All-Star game with, what, a 4-7 and seven record? Yeah, yeah. You never really uh, see that with an all-star pitcher yeah. with their record. It's one of the lone exceptions here with DeGrom. Exactly. The game was close. Uh, Austin Riley did have a two-run homer early, but then Johan Camargo had the three-run double in the eighth inning that really opened the gap in this game and really prevented the Mets from being able to come back. Now, my question is this. Does DeGrom actually deserve to be an all-star? This season, I, ooh, you know, Tom, I say yes because he won the Cy, Cy Young. Cy Young, yes, excuse me, last season. Um, I mean, he he's pitching like he's pit his ERA is I think a uh, three point and change. Um, 
I mean, he deserves it, yes. Um, but there are, I'm sure there's other fans on other teams that their pitcher deserves it more than what DeGrom has been producing. I, again, like Tom was saying, a lack of run support. And you, you said it exactly. I mean, because we're Mets fans and we're saying, yes, absolutely. Uh, but you can see an argument from, let's say, like a Braves fan or somebody that's not a New York Mets fan. being like, oh, why is he on the in the all-star lineup? But, again, it's just hard for us because we we're Mets homers here. Yeah. Four and seven, a 3.32 earned run average. That's one of the lowest in the National League. 128 strikeouts. DeGrom, his career record is 59 and 48, a 2.73 earned run average. I think he deserves it. I don't think is he the first to get cut. In that instance, no, he's not. But um, it hasn't been a DeGrom caliber season. It hasn't been the same type of year that it was last year. And honestly, I thought the team got better from last year. I think hitting-wise, it has. There's still droughts right now. There's not enough protection in that lineup. No Cespedes, no Jed Lowry. I'm not even going to bring up Brandon Nimmo because he's just he's been awful with the bat. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Oh, cool. Good. <laughs> Good point. Let's get to Saturday. The Mets lose again 5-4. to four. Julio Teheran takes the mound and not last long. He was out in the fourth inning, but Mats uh, beat him to the exit. Only lasted two innings. Marcakis and Riley. Riley, two straight games with a home run. This Austin Riley kid has been great this year. Uh, I believe he's a rookie for Atlanta as well. He's been doing some great things. And, again, not enough runs for the Mets in this game. This is unacceptable. You can't be losing games um, at home like that. It's just, it's not, I don't know. I don't know how to describe it. The Mets in this game, they had two runs in the sixth inning. But that was really it. You had the Dom Smith home run. Again, no source of offense. It's like home run or bust. Well, the thing is, too, Mats was awful right out of the gate. He yes. gives up two runs in the first inning, and then the Mets never saw the lead since. Yeah. The problem for the Mets is giving up runs early in games, and then when they don't give up runs early in games, they get a lead, and the bullpen blows it. It's been like that for, for a while now with the, the bullpen bullpen excuse me situation. The good news, the Mets win Sunday. DeGrom returns, throws almost six innings, a good start. Max Fried on the mound. The Mets beat him up a little bit. Todd Frazier with the home run in this game, a two-run bomb. Great to see him. The effect of Todd Frazier in his bat, it's been a lot more consistent this year than I think people would have expected, no? Yeah, I, I agree. He's been more consistent, like you've been saying. Last year, I think a lot of people were on the fence if uh, he would be as consistent as he is this mm-hmm. season. But he's been kind of the guy that's able to hold his own at times. Frazier's almost hitting 260. I mean, that's very good for him. He's always going to give you a decent amount of home runs. But I think him emerging as a leader of this team is something he's had to embrace this season, especially now with all these young kids on the roster. And, you know, there's no Estrubal Cabrera this year. Wilmer Flores is gone. You know, the Mets did lose some guys in the offseason. So he's one of those guys that has had to step up. Yeah. 
one of the vet guys that needs to kind of be a brighter spot for these younger guys. Now, folks, here's where it gets interesting. The Subway Series. We know the last Subway Series was very forgettable. It just came and went. It was one day because of the rain out. And they split. And they split this one as well. Game one was great. The Yankees were held to two runs. And they lost their 31-game streak where they hit home runs in consecutive games. 31 straight games with a home run. And the Mets, the Mets, out of all teams, yeah, right. the Mets. was not going to expect it's that. It's not. How do you let the Mets do that? <laughs> it makes no sense. I, I don't know what it is. The Yankees, for some reason, can never sweep the Mets. They have trouble doing it. You know what it is? They don't see each other much throughout the year. Yeah. And I think, too, when you're at City Field and you only have eight actual hitters, the Mets have an advantage, clearly, offensively, mm-hmm. because their pitchers are used to hitting. If you have to give you know, an award to the team with the best hitting from their pitchers, it's probably the Mets. Their pitchers have hit at least five home runs this season. Yeah. Impressive. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if you guys saw, but they had one of the – I forget what game it was. The Yankees pitcher was up at bat. He looked scared for his life. Yeah. He was trying to bunt. It, You know. Look. But the Mets did something to the Yankees that's usually done to the Mets. The Yankees had a lead in this game. They were up 2-1. to one. And then in the eighth inning, things just fall apart. Ottavino is on the mound, blows the save, and the Mets score three runs. Um, again, this was a game that the Yankees should have had, but the Mets pulled one out of a hat. Robinson Cano was great. Former Yankee, J.D. Davis, was fantastic. And Ahmed Rosario, a guy that everyone is still bashing. He's hitting 260. It's only his second full year in the league. This guy's pretty sure that this guy is the youngest guy out there starting on this team. 23 years old. Yeah, we, we bash him, or a lot of people do, but because they just want more consistency out of players, and they probably see at times with him that he yeah. can do better. But like you said, he's one of the youngest guys probably in all of baseball, or at least on the Mets. And it's only his second year in the league. Give him give him a little bit of time, I feel like, with Rosario. Exactly. And look, Fonz, he's hitting better than Conforto. He's hitting better than Cano. I think a lot of people don't realize that, too. Yeah. I understand they've been in and out of the lineup, but Rosario, I really don't think he's been hurt much in his first two years. He's been very durable. Yeah. And that's what you want out of a shortstop. Eventually, you keep giving him reps, you keep giving him starts, he's going to develop. Yeah. And he's already their everyday shortstop. There's no, there's nobody taking that away from him. Yeah, you want, like, durability, you want that not only with shortstops, but all over the field. You know, the Mets have had a problem with injuries all over, and Rosario is one of those guys where you can guarantee that he'll be there every day to play. I don't really understand what the beef is, Met, is Met fans. Like, I don't dislike Rosario. He's nothing special yet, but he's not bad. Unless people are like, they want, they he came up, and everybody thought he was the next... Jose Reyes. He's the number one prospect, and New, New York is a very tough place to please people. Yeah. Right. And, and then, then you fill the shoes of, of Reyes. Yeah. That, that'll be hard. Yeah. So, you know, a lot of people are still like, he's not Reyes, but he's Rosario in his own way. People are going to have to accept that. What do you guys think of Ahmed Rosario Facebook? Feel free to comment in the feeds here, and uh, we'll try to get back to you if, if you do. So, 
The Yankees lose this game 4-2. to The Mets get 11 hits. The Yankees' bullpen, which has been pretty much dominant this season. Ottavino's been the one Achilles heel for them, blowing four saves as the setup man. But other than that, it has been bad. So him and Zach Britton have been kind of the shaky part, bringing him back. So this leads into Wednesday. The Mets only score one run. Vargas takes the mound. Now Jeff McNeil hit a solo shot. Other than that, no offense. None. Of course. Vargas and Callaway getting heated at each other again. Hmm. You saw that when they pulled Vargas out? Yeah. That was barking? It's just something. I mean, you didn't expect the past couple of weeks, Vargas has been on the, the hot seat, really. Just he, one of those guys a while back, we didn't think he'd be one of those players, but now we're kind of seeing this, and it's like, what's going on here? Yeah. yeah. He's definitely Callaway's getting under his skin, you feel like. I also think that I was watching some of that game, and at one point, um, either I think Gary said he Vargas went to clean his cleats. Mm-hmm. They said it may be a sign he's getting tired. Like some extra, you know, few seconds for himself. Yeah. And then at one point he just raised his arm like there was like something wrong in his shoulder. And then I saw the pitching coach go at the top of the steps. Yeah. So I'm like, and I was looking at his pitch again. I'm like, he's at 100. He really doesn't go over 100. I'm like, they're not going to keep him in for very long, but you need to because of the bullpen. Yeah. If you want a chance to win. But he, they, I forget who said it this week, he came out with leaving the Mets a chance to win. When he left the game, weren't there runners on base? Yes. I believe so. And they brought in Wilmer Font, out of all people, who's probably the worst. Remember, they, they Not traded. Not your best option. <laughs> I think Wilmer Font was part of the Keon Broxton transaction. No. It was right after it. That's why I brought mm-hmm. that up. Broxton got DA'd, DFA'd, and then they traded for Wilmer Font. So... Yes. Look, the sixth inning is where it all went downhill. They took Vargas out of the game. Didi and Gito, Gio Urshela hit a pair of solo shots. Game's over. Mm-hmm. That's it. I just want to make this quick side note. We were talking about Pete Alonso hitting a home run. Yeah. Well, he hit a solo homer. 29. I think so. All right. In the bottom of fourth. Look yeah, at that. Game so. is tied 1-1 one to one with yep. the Phillies right now. So another homer for our boy Pete. So as of right now, the Grom is off the hook. Uh, <laughs> now. But in the Subway Series, we saw Steven Matz come in out, out of the bullpen. Fonz, what are your thoughts on Matz coming out of the bullpen? I, I mean, he hasn't worked. When he first came in as a starter, it was so much. You think, oh, this is going to be great. Another person on the rotation. And then he struggled a lot. And now I guess this is the only option is really, all right, let's see what he can do out of the bullpen. And, you know, if he can't do it, then what do you do next? Yeah. Trade him? Let him go? I mean, the, that's the only option right now. So I don't mind what they're doing just to fix up the rotation here. I mean, as a Long Island native, you don't want to see him, you know, graduated Warren Melville and such. But maybe he goes in there, get himself readjusted mechanical-wise, what have you, come back out, mm-hmm. maybe a new starter. Reinvent himself. Maybe he'd be better as a out of the bullpen. Maybe that's better for him. Yeah. You know? Mm-hmm. Test it out. More like a longer relief, say like six to eight. Yeah. You say somewhere, you know. So the two thousand nineteen Subway series ends in a two two split. They split in the Bronx and they split in Queens. 
So that's how it ends. They need one more game <laughs> just uh, to get bragging rights. Exactly, <laughs> which I don't like it. I think they should go back to six games a year. Or yeah. at least just an auto amount just to have a, a series. Yeah. Yeah. Or that, yeah, that too. Uh, but the Mets do snap the Yankees' record of 31 straight games with a home run. And the Mets also had um, a nice little uh, – segment yesterday with Jeff McNeil serving as a judge for the hot dog eating contest featuring Joey Chestnut who won again eating 71 hot dogs on this 4th of July down in the hot area of Coney Island Brooklyn New York Jeff McNeil was there as a judge the man of many guys. talents who knew I wonder how many people recognize them down there you know that that's a, now that would be a fun game to play <laughs> see how people can recognize Jeff McNeil yeah so Heading into this weekend, the Mets, a very important series tonight against the Phillies where the Mets have an opportunity to catch up and make some ground, make up some ground with the Grom on the mound. He is going up against Velasquez tonight. The Mets are tied 1-1. to Pete Alonso just did a solo shot to tie the game. 29 home runs, and we're in the first week of July. <laughs> yeah, the, what, the question is now how much will he get by the end of the year? There's, we're halfway through the season. There's three months left. Can he get to 40, you know? Easy. 50? Easy. That'll be, that'll be mm-hmm. fun down the line towards the end of the summer. The thing is, can he keep this up, you know? Mm-hmm. That's always the question, too. Can he keep yeah. the foot on the gas? We'll see. Tomorrow, Jake Arrieta against Noah Syndergaard. And then Sunday, an excellent matchup, Aaron Nola against Zach Wheeler. So the Mets have their three best pitchers going out there for the series, which is what you want. So it's against the Phillies' best three pitchers as well. Yeah. So... The Mets, although it's been a disappointing season so far, they do have three All-Stars. The rookie, Pete Alonso, Jeff McNeil, which basically this is his rookie year as well, although he came up late last season. Yeah. And Jacob DeGrom, three All-Stars, which I think these are the three you would have expected. Yeah, probably if you were to say, like, who could be the Mets All-Stars, you know, that yeah. yeah, these three would be the ones that you would say. And we knew Pete Alonso was going to be good. I don't think we knew he was going to be great yeah. like this, this soon. No, Nobody knew Jeff McNeil would be this great. Yeah, at the beginning of the year, if we were said who would have been our Mets All-Stars, I, don't, I think probably DeGrom would have been the only one and yeah. somebody else, but not Pete Alonso or Jeff McNeil. Yeah. And the Mets are relatively healthy right now. The only guys they're really missing are Cespedes, Lowry, Nimmo, and Drew Smith. And we know... Drew Smith and Cespedes will be out for the remainder of the season. Mm-hmm. Drew Smith recovering from Tommy John. The question is, when will Lowry play a game? And when will Brandon Nimmo come back? So, until then, we'll see where the Mets shape out. That will do it for our first segment of the evening with the Mets. When we come back, we're going to shift gears to the Bronx and the New York Yankees. Stay tuned. You're listening to Review and Preview here on The Wave, the sound of LIU. Good evening, and welcome back to Review and Preview, folks. I am your host, Tom Scavetta, joined alongside James Montefusco, Fonz DeFalco here in the studio again. You listen to our show tonight on The Wave, uh, that is liuwave.org. Watch us on Facebook Live. If you can't tune into our whole podcast, you're going to want to catch up on anchor.fm slash review and preview. Because at 9 o'clock, we have an hour-long talk of NBA free agency upcoming. We're going to keep plugging that 
that will be the highlight of our show here tonight for sure. But we got to catch you up on the Yankees. A wild, wild week for the Yankees. They ended last week in London. They were off on Friday to play two games against the Red Sox, Saturday and Sunday in London. Let's talk about the Saturday game. Yeah, let, let, let's talk about that game. <laughs> so, I turned my TV on Saturday afternoon. I'm watching the game. It's Masahiro Tanaka. It's Rick Porcello. Two guys, veterans, established in the, in the league. I forgot who hit first. I think, I want to say Porcello was on the mound first. I think Boston was the home team. Yankees light it up. Score six runs. Let's uh, let's double check that. Actually, James is giving me. Uh, I want to see. I. I want to say the Yankees because they had all the Yankee. Red Sox were home. Okay. So the Yankees hit first. They score six runs in the first inning. You know, in my mind, I'm thinking, okay, it's just it's a bad half inning. Yeah. Everyone gets that once in a while. Right. Um, yeah. I mean, Hicks. Home run. I forget what else happened in that inning, but there, there was a lot being done. Um, DJ LeMahieu, right off the bat, gets a hit. And realistically, Porcello lasted a third of an inning, gave up six runs, all earned, five hits, and the home run to Aaron Hicks, the two-run shot. And then he left the game. Six nothing, right? But the crazy part is the Red Sox matched yeah. what the Yankees did. Now that's something you don't really see. Yeah. Um, Tanaka lasted two-thirds of an inning. Six runs. Again, all earned. Four hits. Gave up a home run to Chavis. First of two he would hit in this game. That was a three-run shot. Accounted for half of their runs in that inning. Crazy. 12 runs in one inning. I guess these London fans got a treat, or maybe there was a little jet lag or something. I don't know what was going on. Was yeah, it London the dimensions? Fan, yeah, London fans got lucky with yeah. their first game that they saw. I think th- this was their first. This is the first time an MLB game played in London, correct? I believe so. Yeah, I believe so, so. What, they, what a treat they got. Did they their play first... this Wembley? I believe so. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, you look at it, it's, it's just crazy. You know, they're two big powerhouse teams, but... Who would have thought they're going all the way over across the pond and they, they're giving each other blows every inning, you know? Hitting home runs, scoring crazy numbers. That 30 runs see. combined, 37 hits in this game. What was crazier is that some, some of the fans, like, they were just applauding for everybody. Like, you saw Aaron Judge autographing a ball or a bat for a Red Sox fan before the game. I saw a guy with the... Like he had two caps stitched together, yeah. and he kept switching them uh, every every inning. Like with the Red Sox were up to bat, he put it to the Red Sox <laughs> yeah. cap and switched yeah. to the Yankees. So the, they just loved they just loved going to a baseball game. It was crazy. So Luke Voigt had the RBI that put the Yankees up one nothing, and then Didi with the two run double laced Encarnacion, an RBI double, and then Hicks the two run bomb. Rafael Devers. Um, an RBI double, Vasquez, Brock Holt, and Chavis, of course, with a three-run home run. Gardner responds with a home run in the third inning, putting the Yankees up 8-6. to six. Then in the fourth, Brett Gardner walked in a run, and then LeMahieu 
ugh, a three-run double in the gap, putting the Yankees up 12-6 to in the fourth inning. 18 runs and three-plus. It gets better. Not over yet. Aaron Judge hit a two-run bomb to cap <laughs> off that inning. Again, the fourth <laughs> inning was another six-run inning yeah. for the Yankees. It's laughable because you don't see that in the States on yeah. games. And then they scored another three runs in the next inning, the fifth inning. This is like an all-star game, really, with yeah, all the runs being scored in. Yeah. Then the Red Sox started a string in a few runs. Jackie Bradley had a home run. I believe it was in, yes, it was in the sixth inning. Hit a solo shot. So now, remember, the Yankees did lead this game 17-6. to They led this game 17-6. to They allowed the Red Sox to end the game, scoring seven runs unanswered. But they held on. And they won 17 to 13. Unbelievable. You know, guys like uh, Aaron Hicks are probably are uh, trying to get the Yankees to play there next year, too. That's probably his place to play now. <laughs> exactly. Well, in this game, Gardner, Hicks, and Judge all homered for the Yankees. DJ Lemayhu had five RBIs. So if you have him on your fantasy team, you most likely won last week just based off of that performance alone. Uh, and then Chavis with the two home runs and six RBIs himself. Game two. Well, you're also in for a treat. A high-scoring game, not as high as Game 1, but this was a game that saw the Red Sox scoring four runs in the bottom half of the first inning. And Stephen Tarpley, who started the game, only lasted an inning. This was a bullpen starter game for the Yankees, and Rodriguez was on the mound for the Sox. He lasted five and a third. So very much different pitching from... Game one for Boston. Red Sox went up 4 nothing early. Bogarts with a two-run bomb right off the gap. J.D. Martinez, a solo shot. Christian Vasquez, a solo shot. So, realistically, guys, Tarpley gave up three home runs in the first, first inning. And then the Yankees just saw enough. That was it. I guess the Yankees were mad or pissed off or something that they couldn't, that they couldn't hit a home run against the Mets in that first game of the series. They... Like you said, James, crossed the pond and took their anger out in front of those uh, Br- Br- British fans. Yeah, I mean, I guess so. I got a question for you guys. After seeing these two games over in uh, – well, I actually got two questions. Uh, one, do you guys think both managers will be like, okay, you know what, guys, just go out, have fun. You're overseas. This is a totally different crowd than either in Boston or in New York. Do you think they really had any strategy coming into this game? Like, other than who's starting pitching, who you know, who their normal guys are? Or was it kind of like, go have fun these two games, show these fans, you know, what you guys are made of kind of deal? Hmm. Well, I'll, I'll answer that first, Tom. Uh, I can totally see – I didn't even think of that. I mean, there's so many games in a season that maybe this was the case for maybe one of those times that they are overseas, they're doing a – a series, and I think a yearly thing where teams will play overseas as a test run. Obviously, it was a success, and maybe you are right, possibly right that just all right. This is who's starting. Uh, we'll give you this many innings, guys. Just go out there, you know, have fun, enjoy the crowd, uh, promote the league, promote the MLB. Yeah, and it worked. I'd agree. Uh, basically, you said everything I was going to say. So, yeah, that pretty much I think answers mm-hmm. the question promote the major leagues, try to see, you know, expose these fans, kind of like what the NFL did for a little bit, yeah. which, you know, they seemed to enjoy it, which was great, which, I mean, 
not your average games with all the runs being scored, you know. But it's still enjoyable. Yeah. yeah. Who's next? Uh, what is next year's team? Do they announce that yet? Or I is think it's the Cardinals and. I saw the. Was it the Cubs? Were the Cubs involved? I it could have been. They probably want teams with star power so, now. Yeah. After this, after they're gonna this, they're gonna yeah. want teams with star power. The rumors are the Cardinals and the Cubs. Okay, that probably would be yeah. yeah. That yeah, that should yeah. be interesting again. June thirteenth and fourteenth. So yeah, it's better than the NFL with like Jaguars and Ravens or random teams yeah, at London at London Stadium. Hmm. So interesting. So the Yankees win game two, twelve to eight. Again, this was a game. Didi hit another home run. Gio Urshela was great. Three RBIs. The Yankees were fantastic. And despite the Red Sox having three home runs in that first inning, the Yankees just took it to them the rest of that game. Mm-hmm. There's really not much more to say. And then the only bad news really for the Yankees was Luke Voigt uh, strained his abdomen Saturday. He hits the 10-day IL, which is not good. He was in line for a potential all-star reserve spot. Yeah. Bad timing, really. Yeah. And then that led to the Subway Series where Paxton did not look good in Game 1. We just talked about in the last segment. Game 2, Kerman had a much better start than uh, Paxton did. And then the Yankees got a pair of home runs from Didi and Gio. And then the four-game set against Tampa Bay for the weekend started last night. Yankees won Game 1 8-4 in 10 innings, which that's a crazy score to look at in 10 innings because that tells you the Yankees had an uproar. In yeah. the 10th inning, scoring four runs, which, you know, your 4th of July was well well spent <laughs> if you uh, if you caught some of that game. In fact, the Yankees had te- uh, five runs scored in the 10th inning because Tampa Bay scored to go up 4-3. to three. So it just goes to show that, oh, those teams just wanted to get out of there at the end. And, yeah, Hap had a good start in this game for the Yankees, only gave up a run. But then Chapman blew the save. Still got credited for the win, but he blew the save. Chirinos, who looked much better, lasted seven, but he gave up, you know, he gave up a run in that seventh inning that took him out of the game. Again, you're featuring the top two teams in the AL East. You know, for you got Lowe and Austin Meadows for Tampa Bay. Don't forget Travis Darno starting at catcher for them in this game. Forgot he was a Ray. Yeah. And then for the Yankees, the addition of Edwin Encarnacion has just been fantastic. He's been everything that they've wanted him to be. I know his average isn't great, but he's hitting home runs. He's doing his job as a designated hitter. You know, that's all you really need out of him. Yeah, and it's working. Yeah, he's. I mean, he's only been around for like what a million years. So. <laughs> yeah, a while now. Yeah. So. Again, him and Gary Sanchez went deep yesterday. Game two tonight, Tanaka against McKay, currently in progress. The Yankees just went up 3-1, to one, a two-run single for Mike Talkman, a guy that the Yankees called up. Remember, we debated with Hank on the line last week about why Talkman over Clint Frazier. That's right. That's right. And, yeah, <laughs> it's paid off. So far. Clearly. Clearly. Tomorrow, Sabathia against reigning ALCY Young, Blake Snell. Then game four Sunday, you got James Paxton against Charlie Morton. That should be a dandy. That should be a good game. That should be a dandy. Now, the Yankees, let's talk about their all-stars. They got Gary Sanchez, DJ LeMahieu, Glaber Torres, who got in as a reserve last second. He originally got snubbed, and Araldis Chapman. So only four this year. Yeah. 
I think the reason why Didi, Judge, and Stanton were all hurt. No. Basically, Didi has only been playing for three weeks. Yeah. Maybe a month, Stanton has played like maybe a third of the games. And Judge missed a lot of time as well. Yeah, well, I mean, so, with, with these All-Stars, you kind of, unlike the Mets, uh, you really kind of expected who these All-Stars would be for the Yankees. Sanchez, LeMayu, Torres, and, and Chapman. Chapman being one of the better closers yes. in Major League Baseball. So, yeah, predictable. But you also would think that eventually D.D., Stanton, and Judge, when healthy, they would join that list also. Gary Sanchez would make sense. 24 home runs, 57 mm-hmm. ribbies. Glaber Torres, 19-50 and 50 on the season, hitting 294. Luke Voigt with the 17 home runs. He could have been. Like with Judge and all them, if he wasn't hurt, he'd be on that list too. D.J. LeMahieu, 12 home runs, 63 RBIs on the season. A guy who really? they brought in from Colorado, a former National League batting champion, but he played in a small market, so people weren't a fan. He's hitting 339. Have Work. yourself a year. Working well in the big market now. Sure is. Yeah. Uh, but right now they're up 3-1 to one on the Rays. Yankees looking to win this series as well. I believe Aaron Judge also hit a home run in the first inning for the Yanks. And McKay is still out there. Yankees still have a ton of players that are hurt. Of course, Duhar, Batanzas, Montgomery, Severino, Stanton, Voigt. Now, we don't need to go through the whole list, but you get the point. The Yankees are pretty darn banged up. They're banged up, but they're still coming away with victories, and they're still being consistent. Yeah. And that's the Mets the opposite. Exactly. Pretty much they're all healthy, but they're struggling. Yep. Yankees are hurt, but they're wor- it's working. On that note, we're going to step aside for a quick break. When we come back, we will highlight some MLB news and preview the 2019 MLB All-Star Game. You're listening to Review and Preview here on liuwave.org. Review and Preview. Open up the champagne. Pop. It's my house. Come on. Turn it up. Uh. Good evening and welcome back to Review and Preview, folks. I am your host, Tom Scavetta. Join alongside Fonz DeFalco and James Montefusco. All right, so... Um, MLB news, unfortunately, Angels pitcher Tyler Skaggs passed away on Monday at the age of 27. This was reported by ESPN at 5.08 p.m. Eastern Daylight Time. He was found unconscious in his Texas hotel room. The team did not play on Monday night as expected. I mean, who would? You just Mm -hmm. lost a teammate. Tyler Skaggs was drafted in the first round of the 2009 MLB draft. This was very sad. One of the most likable guys on the Angels. A team that's been lurking around 500 this season. Uh, Arguably one of the best hitters in baseball in Mike Trout on this team. You have veterans like Cole Calhoun, Justin Upton, Justin Bohr. Unfortunately, Justin Bohr experienced this while he was a Miami Marlin, if you remember. Yeah. Uh, the player that died. So this is going through that twice. Yeah. That's horrible. And they were interviewing them after the game, and manager Brad Osmus, he's just in tears, in tears, which it's a shame. It's a shame. And then they played on Tuesday. The Angels defeated the Rangers 9-4 to the in the first game since the passing of Skaggs. Cole Calhoun hit his 18th home run of the year, but this is just sad. This is horrible. 
horrible week for baseball, man. Oof. Not good. I don't even know what else there is to say about it, really. Yeah. It's just sad, and we wish the families the very best yeah. and d- through this dark time and his teammates that they will get through it, and there's brighter days ahead for all of them. Yeah, there is a light at the end of the tunnel, and yeah. there was no signs of death, really. This shocked the whole baseball world. Um, I think they're still figuring out the logistics of things. Yeah. But um, Skaggs was 7-7 seven and seven on the season. He came to the MLB the same year as Mike Trout. So, you know, those two guys were very close. Yeah. I think Trout took it very hard. I, I didn't watch the whole press conference or the short clip, but I know Trout said a few words or something. Yeah. So I'm sure at the uh, – all-Star game, they'll, they'll probably honor him in some Most fashion. Yeah. yeah, they're going to wear his patch for the remainder of the season. Yeah. Nationals pitcher Patrick Corbin changed his number from 46 to 45 on Tuesday night in their 7-5 to five win against Miami. On the bright side, though, uh, so far in baseball this season, the MLB is currently led by the top team, Los Angeles Dodgers, the first team to eclipse the 60-win mark. 60 and 29. Remember, this is a team that lost Manny Machado. Kershaw has been in and out of the lineup. And I think it all starts with the emergence of Ryu and that hot bat of Cody Bellinger. They're great. They got five All-Stars. And Dodgers, one of the teams that you kind of expected to be the first, one of the first, to hit the 60-win mark. I would say so. They got five All-Stars this year. Of course, Cody Bellinger, Max Muncy, Hunjin Ryu, hope I said that right, Walker Beeler, and Clayton Kershaw. Mm-hmm. Well-deserved. That's that's three pitchers in their starting rotation that are All-Stars. Impressive. Yeah. Crazy. And they are taking on the Padres tonight. Clayton Kershaw on the mound carries a 7-2 and record with a really good ERA. Um, yeah, you know, this is just an all-star tune-up weekend because, you know, after Sunday it's done for yeah. a week. I mean, yeah. they play the all-star game Tuesday and then they don't come back till Friday. Yeah. So essentially five days off if you're not an all-star, which, I mean, it's a nice time to have a little break. Yeah, nothing wrong with that, especially with the long 162 games. Yeah. You know? <laughs> it's a long season. Nothing wrong with a, a break here and there. I always view the MLB as an endurance test because it's the only sport that you actually play every day, and it's yeah. a rarity that you have a day off. Yeah. yeah. So, Let alone y- you could have games for three weeks and traveling across right. the country. As where hockey and basketball, you only have games like every other day. I mean, sometimes you'll have consecutive days you have a game. And they're kind of mi- in the NBA, they're minimalizing the back-to-backs now. Yeah. Yes. Which makes sense. And I think, realistically, Cody Bellinger has been the MVP so far this season. 30 home runs, uh, 71 RBIs. He's been great. 344 average. You can't ask any more. So, we talked about top team in the the National League. Let's talk about one of the top teams in the American League. The Minnesota Twins have an MLB-best 161 dingers, I will call them, home runs through 86 games trying to catch the Yankees from last season they were on a good pace earlier in the year they've slowed down just a little bit 
but they still have fantastic guys. Fonz, I believe they were your team of the week last yeah. week. <laughs> and so far, uh, they lost last night, but 54-32, and 32, a comfortable six-game cushion yeah. over the second-place Cleveland Indians, who will be hosting the 2019 MLB All-Star Game. You like that transition? Yeah. Wow. <laughs> Perfect. Uh, so let's get to that All-Star Game. It'll be this upcoming Tuesday, July 9th at Progressive Field in Cleveland, Ohio. We'll start with the American League. The All-Star starters at first base, C.J. Crone from the Minnesota Twins. At second, Jose Altuve from the Houston Astros. Alex Bregman at third. Glaber Torres at shortstop. Gary Sanchez, catcher. The outfield, left to right, you got Mookie Betts. Actually, Mookie will probably be playing center, I'd assume. In the outfield, representing the Red Sox, Mike Trout for the Angels, George Springer for the Astros, and Hunter Pence was supposed to be the DH, but he got replaced by, trying to remember, I think he got replaced by Xander Bogarts. But I'm not sure who the DH will be exactly. We'll have to. Uh, it, it is uh, Bogarts. It it replaces, is. Yeah, it says replaces Pence here. Yep. I'd imagine they'd give the DH spot to JD Martinez, though. I don't know. Maybe Bogarts would just be a reserve. Not too sure. Um, all right. So those are the AL starters, the National League starters. Josh Bell will play first. Mike Mustakis at second, representing the Brewers. Third base, Nolan Arenado from the Colorado Rockies, shortstop, Javier Baez from the Cubs, catcher, Wilson Contreras from the Cubs. The outfield, you got Christian Yelich from the Brewers, Cody Bellinger from the Dodgers, and Ron Acuna Jr. from the Atlanta Braves, the first place Atlanta Braves, I should say. National League reserves, Yasmani Grandal from the Brewers, JT Real Muto from the Phillies, Josh Bell, well, Apparently, Josh Bell is a reserve. I wonder who's starting at first. Might, they might have gave Freddie Freeman the nod over Bell. But this stuff changes daily. Yeah, it gets, it's a little confusing, though, with all the and the pitchers. You know, he's starting right before the game, so he's not going to play. So let's yeah. see who we can replace here. A little, little confusing here with all yeah. the uh, lineup changes. And then, of course, the managers. you got Dave Roberts from the Dodgers, Alex Cora from the Red Sox. Mm-hmm. Makes sense. Two yeah. teams. Yep. From last year's World Series, um, and let's see. Okay, starters are highlighted in yellow, apparently. Good, so, good the good old use of Wikipedia to help yes. us out here with this. One. All right, so let's make this official. Official. Okay. Carlos Santana will will actually be starting at first base for the American League over CJ Crone. Okay. DJ LeMahieu will be starting over Altuve because Altuve's hurt okay. from the Yankees. All right. Jorge Polanco will be starting at short for the Twins. Alex Bregman at third. And then the outfield, Springer, Trout, and then Michael Brantley, also from the Astros. And Mookie, Mookie Betts, Betts is out. Mookie Betts is out. Yes. Uh, and then right. Pence. Is still the DH on there. He's still listed as the DH, but I'd imagine it would be either Nelson Cruz or J.D. Martinez DHing for okay. the American League. Right. In the National League, Contreras, Freeman over Bell at first. Bell will be the backup. Marte from the Diamondbacks penciled in as the starter at second over Mustakis. Hmm. Javier Baez, Nolan Arnado, outfielders are the same. Yelich Bellinger and Acuna Jr. Uh, now let's get let's get back to the reserves. Jeff McNeil and Pete Alonzo reserves mm-hmm. for the Mets. Mustakis a reserve. Paul DeJong from the Cardinals. Trevor Story 
and David Dahl from the Rockies, along with Char Charlie Blackman, Anthony Rendon from the Nationals, and Chris Bryant from the Cubbies. National League pitchers, Mike Soroka from the Braves, Jacob DeGrom from the Mets, Max Scherzer from the Nationals, Clayton Kershaw from the Dodgers, Hinjin Ryu also from the Dodgers, along with Walker Buehler, Zach Greinke from the D-backs, Luis Castillo from the Reds, Sandy Alcantara from the Marlins. I don't know how much sense that makes to me. Um, it's one of those rules where every team has to have at least one all-star, yeah. and I guess he's their best player <laughs> for the Marlins. And at then this time. the relief pitchers, Will Smith from the Giants, Kirby Yates from the Padres, Josh Hader from the Blue Brewers. I don't think a starter – I don't think the starting pitchers have been announced yet. Uh, I think they do it right before, like a yeah, few days before the. Days. Yeah, I mean, a little too early to tell. Tom, before uh, we go to the AL, I yes. just wanted to uh, point something out to our viewers if you guys didn't catch it. But the home run derby champ from last year, Mr. Bryce Harper. Oh, yeah. I not did an not see his name on that no. list. That's weird. Well, let's yeah, talk what happened to that. Let's, uh, let's talk about that for a second, actually. Mm-hmm. I mean, he held out for so long, and he finally got a contract from the Phillies. They called him the five-tool player, which, <laughs> look, the kid's 26 years old. He's a giant. He's from Vegas. Mm -hmm. um, I just, I don't think he's a good teammate. He has the world's third largest sports contract and $330 million. And so far, it's not thoroughly, you know, trying to be positive here but it's not really working out so far which is fine for us Met fans well yeah no we, absolutely you know. <laughs> Bryce Harper's stats on the season Bryce Harper has 16 home runs and 61 RBIs which it's okay he's hitting 252 though that is not Bryce Harper numbers that's not something that's worth a $330 million no, contract. Not. And uh, another guy, um, I don't see his name on here, uh, Machado, too. Yeah. Another yeah. big name, another guy in free agency who kind of didn't hold out as long as Harper but was the top free agent prize. Yeah. Uh, was listed as one of the like the all-star game like busts like, that didn't make it. Yeah. But as of now, he's not in it. And that's another person that you look at and he goes, oh, wow, spend all that money. Not uh, making all-star appearances. Not repping their teams. 20 home runs. 57 RBIs, 273 average. This is for Harper. Machado. Machado, Machado. okay, Machado, okay. Hmm. Uh, yeah. Just felt like we should have pointed point that out. The two big names of Freyden's yeah. are not, yeah, exactly. uh, not here. And Machado has almost played every game for the Padres. He hasn't been hurt. He's been out there just about every night. He's only yeah. missed two games, I think, for rest, most likely. But, yeah, so other – News, we also have to analyze the American League Reserves. James McCann, backup catcher for the White Sox. Jose Abreu, also from the Sox. Brandon Lowe from the Rays. Francisco Lindor from the Indians. Matt Chapman from Oakland. Mookie Betts from the Red Sox in the outfield. Austin Meadows for the Rays. Joey Gallo, utility player. Whit Merrifield from the Royals. I'm pretty sure Whit Merrifield leads the major leagues and RBIs right now. Mm -hmm. And Daniel Vogelbach from the Mariners, the backup DH. Glaber Torres, of course, replaced Lowe. Xander Bogarts replaced Hunter Pence. Now, DJ was originally, I'm sorry, not DJ, Glaber was originally snubbed yeah. from this list. 
What are your thoughts on that? I think the problem was Glaber had a much tougher hill to overcome this season because last year his season was kind of cut short and he kind of got overshadowed by Miguel and Duhar. Thoughts? No, yeah, I agree with you. Yeah. Um, You know, he was snubbed for certain reasons and, mm-hmm. well, you got to – that's life. My thing is this. He has similar numbers to, like, Machado, I'd say. Yeah. 19 home runs, 54 – or 50 RBIs. And the two – well, his average is much higher at 294. Yeah. So – and he's played just about 80 games. It's the 79 games he's played. So I don't understand. They went him. I guess the American League is a little bit more deeper than More the competitive League, field than the shortstop. Yeah. Area. yeah. That's also a toe. Yeah, I'd say so. It's definitely part of it. So let's get to the American League pitchers. The starters, it's most likely, it's unofficially going to be Justin Verlander starting the All-Star game for the American League. I don't see anybody else starting over him. Maybe Jake Odorizzi, but I think he just got hurt. Actually, I saw his name come up on the ESPN tracker last night. Uh, Hopefully he still plays. You got Justin Verlander and Garrett Cole from the Astros, Lucas Giolito from the White Sox, Mike Miner from the Rangers, Jake Odorizzi from the Twins, Marcus Stroman for the Blue Jays, and I think... This might be his audition for the Yankees <laughs> coming up at the trade deadline. Last time as a Blue Jay. Yes. John Means for the Baltimore Orioles. Again, another by default, if you ask me. And then Charlie Morton from Tampa Bay. Charlie Morton was one of the best pitchers in baseball until about this month. He's lost a couple games. His ERA is still really good. 8-2 and two record, 9-2 and two record. But Very good. Yeah, and, you know, Means, you, you look at him – for Baltimore, this guy's seven and four, with a two point fifty ERA. So you can make the argument that he does deserve it. His strikeouts just aren't very high. That's pretty much it. He's more of a contact pitcher. Kind of reminds you of like a better version of Mike Pelfrey, in a sense. Oh wow, that's a, <laughs> that's a, that's a throwback. Yeah. Right there. Or yeah, you know, I mean, Vargas pitches to contact too. He doesn't strike many guys out, but you get the point. Um, yeah. Relief pitchers, Ryan Presley from the Astros, Shane Green from the Tigers, Brad Hand from the Cleveland Indians, Chapman from the Yankees, Jose Berrios from the Twins replaces the injured Odorizzi okay. officially. Okay. Just to let you guys know. Got that official wording. And the T-Mobile Home Run Derby will be featuring a couple of rookies. Let's start out with it. Mets, Pete Alonzo, who will also be an all-star. Vlad Guerrero Jr., another rookie. Now, Fonz, Vlad only has eight home runs, but we think part of the reason why is because of his dad, part of the reason why he's in. I mean, he's still very good, don't get me wrong, but he's only been in the MLB for a couple of months now. I don't even know how long, but it's probably because the name tie and it gets the star power for people to be like, all right, I'm going to watch this home run derby and see what this kid is all about. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If he played the whole year, then I think he probably would make the case that he could be yeah. here. But the, the eight home runs, the average fan is like, why is he here? I mean, seeing his batting practice for the home run derby oh, that explains was, it all. That was that was incredible. You know? Other competitors, we have Carlos Santana from the hometown Cleveland Indians, Christian Yelich, Ronald Acuna Jr., and the odds-on favorite, Josh Bell. The seeding 
will be Yelich against Vlad Guerrero Jr. That'll be one versus eight. Mm-hmm. Bregman is the four. Jock Peterson is the five. Peterson was added as the eighth guy. I know, I believe we had seven as of yesterday, but uh, Peterson, Peterson got, just got, just got added. added. Yeah. Yeah. And then the winner of that will face the winner of Yelich and Vlad Guerrero Jr. On the other side of the bracket, number two, Pete Alonso, will be going against the hometown hitter at the seventh seed, Carlos Santana, which, I mean, honestly, we said Alonso might win a round, but Santana has the home field advantage here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's something to consider, too. And then number three, Josh Bell against number six, Ron Acuna Jr., According to T-Mobile, those are the seedings, but CBS Sports reports Josh Bell as the odds-on favorite. Hmm. I'm looking forward to it. It should be a fun night. A lot of rookies. Yes. <laughs> so it's time for our MLB Player of the Week. Of course, same rules apply. Player you think is stuck out to you most this week. James, you are first. So the player that stuck out with me started... Uh, was from the Subway Series. I'm going with Wilson's Ramos juggle catch to end the game. I think it was Tuesday, was it? Yes, I remember yeah. what you're talking about. The foul tipped into his mitt. Yeah. Yeah, and I think everybody with the – I forget who was batting, but he was very astonished by holding on to that ball, <laughs> especially it was boring. So that is my player of the week. Fonz, you are next. I'm going to go with someone different out there. Uh, I'm looking at the pitchers from the past week, and I picked a pitcher last time, so I'm going to keep the tradition alive and going well. I'm going to go with Lance Lynn from the Texas Rangers. Two games this week, 2-0, and 1.20 ERA, 15 innings pitched, and both like combined for both games, which is impressive, and allowed 12 hits, but only two runs total. So, you know, fine, they got on base, it's whatever, but they didn't score. So that's my guy, Lance Lynn from the Texas Rangers. Very nice. So we've gone old this week, and we're going to stay old. Because mm-hmm. all the players we picked are over 30. <laughs> Evan Longoria is my player of the week. Third baseman from the San Francisco Giants. Four home runs, 10 RBIs this week. A 444 average with eight hits and nine runs scored. Mm-hmm. pair of doubles to go with that as well. He's my player of the week. Uh, he... His slugging percentage is over 1,000. So, And Longoria is an older guy who struggled to find his own the last couple of years. That's my player of the week. On that note, we're going to step aside for a quick break. Our number one is done. We will come back with our team of the week, and then we jump right into the gates, folks. It's going to flood with transactions of NBA free agency you don't want to miss. You're listening to Review and Preview here on liuwave.org. Welcome back to Region Preview, folks. I'm your host, Tom Scavetta. Join alongside Fonz DeFalco, James Montefusco here in the studio. One hour down, one hour to go. Hanging in there pretty well. It's time for our team of the week. Top of the hour. Fonz, I'm going to throw you right into the pit of fire here. We will start with you. Well, I'm going to keep the theme with the hour that we're going to be uh, talking about with uh, the NBA free agency. And, you know, we'll probably save us to the end for who won and who lost free agency. But I'm going to go with Utah Jazz for the team of the week. Uh, they have Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert. They're star players, and they didn't really need to go out and get another star. They traded for Mike Conley. They signed Bogdan Bogdanovich, Ed Davis, Jeff Green, Emmanuel Moutier. Not household names, 
but they will provide depth for multiple positions and help solidify their bench. Probably Bogdanovich will likely start, maybe compete with Ingles for the three. And watch out for the Utah Jazz in the Western Conference. They are starting to build something really nice over there. I like that pick. I think the plan, actually, I heard, is for Bogdanovich and Ingles to start together. Because remember, Derek Favors is no longer on the team. That is right. That is right. So Ingles could be, you know, you're seeing the four position now. It's not necessarily a power forward anymore. It's just yeah. another shooter that's tall. And Rudy Gobert is going to—they're going to keep him at the right. five because he's really good there. So they can do that with a small ball era. They I can think do that. that. Might be your starting five. We'll mm-hmm. see, James. So I am going to go with the USA Women's National Soccer Team, winning this past week, going to the could repeat on Sunday. Mm-hmm. They played England um, this past week. Um, a few things with Alex Morgan sipping that tea, um, you know. Great celebration. That's but just it, my opinion. Yeah, no, <laughs> I agree. Um, hats off to them. And I just want to make a quick mention to a 15-year-old. I believe she's from Long Island playing in the tennis. Wimbley. I saw that. A, yes. Uh, Coco. I can't pronounce that last name. So that's her first name. But, yeah, 15 beat Venus. Williams, wow, and is going to uh, the Sweet Sixteen. Very impressive. Yeah, I like it. So, my team of the week is the Portland Trailblazers. Uh, I changed it last minute, James. You know, I originally had somebody else, but you did. I'm going to go with the Portland Trailblazers because of what they've been able to do in this free agency trading for Hassan Whiteside, which mm-hmm. solidifies their big three and their concern in the front court without Joseph Nurkic, who. Apparently, they're expecting to return a little bit after Christmas, which that was a gruesome injury. Yeah. But Nurkic will now not have to rush back. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you let a lot of their average players go that started off the bench and re-signing Rodney Hood, also bringing in Mario Hazonia and Anthony Tolliver, a couple of good role players. And I, I think Portland, they, they see that, oh, no, Golden State lost Durant. Clay Thompson is out, most likely – all of next season if they don't rush them back during the playoffs. But Portland, a team that placed second in the playoffs last year in the West, Mm -hmm. they're my team of the week. I feel like there's been the strongest movement there um, in the Western Conference at least. But let's get to NBA free agency. So, folks, if you cannot see, I'm wearing my Milwaukee Bucks jersey. No, it's not Giannis. It's 24. Sorry. (laughs) Just had to bring it out there. Over 35 transactions happened on day one. 40% of the NBA headed into Sunday as a free agent. 40% of the That league. is crazy. And then when you said the transactions in one day, even before the 6 o'clock start, there were so many transactions. Well, not official, but from guys like Adrian Wojnarowski, uh, Zach Lowe, like guys in ESPN were reporting. 30 minutes even before the 6 o'clock hour. It's crazy. Yeah, it's nuts. I I was at work, and I thought my phone was blown up from my friends. It's just all the different transactions, which was actually fun to see because, in my eyes, I don't think anybody was expecting half the free agents gone within one day, yeah. let alone maybe two hours. Mm-hmm. Right. You know? So for for fans and myself, not a, not a huge fan of the NBA, it kind of is like, wow. That went zero to 100 real fast, oh, which yeah. was kind of interesting. Yeah, I don't remember this even, like, recently, last year, whatever, where that quickly free agency was 
turning around. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, I totally agree with you on that. I feel like free agency was over after night one. P- pretty yeah, much. Pretty I mean, much. outside of uh, Kawhi Leonard. Kawhi Leonard, DeMarcus Cousins is not really uh, a big name free agent. Yeah. Now teams are going to be looking for role players now. Exactly. So, let's get to it. The Brooklyn Nets. Oh, jeez. Signed Kyrie Irving. <laughs> four years. $141 million deal. New point guard. Kyrie said this is where he wanted to be. This is home. We know he wanted to come to New York, but Knicks fans are probably uh, very upset about this. A little bit. Kyrie Irving, who is probably as fragile as glass uh, health-wise. Mm-hmm. So that was signing number one for Brooklyn, and then Kevin Durant. Four years, $164 million, sign and trade with the Golden State Warriors. Um, look, the Warriors didn't want to give up Durant for nothing, so they got D'Angelo Russell in return. But this is a monstrosity of a deal, I, I think. For a guy who's hurt at 30 years old, four years, $164 million? This is a huge risk. Big risk. Uh, Tom, it, it reminds me of when... I'm trying to make a, a connection for some of the viewers. It reminds me of when the Giants signed Odell to that big uh, contract. Contract, thank you. Um, and now the Nets did that with the Durant. Mm-hmm. You know, injured, not sure what you're going to get. Already out of the four-year contract, now only has three years left to play with the Nets. Right. So you, you kind of look at it like, well, was it the right move? For the Nets organization, yes, because now it's bringing in fans. I know a few people that work there and in the box office and people have been buying tickets left and right because of Irving, because now you have Durant potentially sitting on the bench. Yeah. You know? And you were talking about the four-year deal and basically a three-year deal after this. But most guys with injuries like that, the first year they play back, it's kind of like a trial run. Then two years after the injury is when you really see what they're doing. So you're going to get like a kind of a two-year deal with Durant. Yeah. Right. It should be interesting, but I think Brooklyn, a lot of people will just make the argument that Brooklyn won this free agency, and that wasn't all they did. Apparently, KD and Kyrie took less money so that Brooklyn could make room to sign DeAndre Jordan to a four-year, $40 million deal. Now, with with that, I like DeAndre Jordan. Even in his 30s, he can still get up there, block shots, and get 13, 15 rebounds a night. I was... I just think it was weird that the Nets signed him because they had a guy like Jared Allen, who I think progressed really well with them this year. He's not going to play the four because he's just as tall as Jordan or up there. Are they going to trade him? Or are they going to keep him on the bench? He could be trade valuable for them. They're not going to even put Jordan, who signed that much money, have him come off the bench, I think. That's an interesting point, Fonz, because mm-hmm. a four-year, $40 million contract does not look like bench to me. However, yeah. Portland few years ago signed Myers Leonard to a four-year $41.5 million deal and mm-hmm. he was a bench warmer for most of that so in my honest opinion with the way money is thrown around in the NBA this day and age yeah. I could easily see DeAndre Jordan backing up Jared Allen coming off the bench oh yeah no I could yeah. I mean I could see it too but you know does it hurt Allen's progression because he's done really well since being drafted I think two three years ago of course yes yeah. so Jordan will join Duran and Irving in Brooklyn. The Nets sign defensive ace in Garrett Temple 
to a two-year, $10 million deal, which was a good move. Yeah, journeyman. They lost DeAndre Carroll. Yeah, did so. journeyman back a point guard, you know, has done well everywhere, everywhere he's played. Good bench role player for them. I and like that. And they add Wilson Chandler on a one-year deal. So that's five guys they got, you know, to add to what they already got in a lineup that were probably the only two returning starters well, we'll see. I mean, Joe Harris and uh, Karis, Jared, Jared, Jared Allen. And, and Karis, Karis LeVert will probably play at the, the two. Yeah. James, you have a update here? Yeah, I got a little uh, eh, kind of fun fact question. I saw this on Center earlier this week. And over the years, Katie had Russell Westbrook as a point guard. He had Steph Curry, obviously. And now he has Kyrie Irving. Out of them three, yes, we haven't seen Durant and Kyrie play. Mm-hmm. But out of those three that I listed, who do you think would be beneficial for Durant? Now, Durant's now injured. Mm-hmm. So now that kind of sways or changes different things because you, he was healthy with Westbrook. He was healthy with Steph. Yeah. Right. Now he'll come back a year after with an injury with Irving. Do you think having Irving will be helpful for him? Or hmm. do you think it would be better off if he stayed in Golden State with Steph able to do those threes. And no, because the beef with Draymond Green, that really was not. Mm-hmm. That virtually helped him solidify, hey, I'm on my way out, in my opinion. And then for me, I still think him and Westbrook, that was a good duo they had in OKC. I mean, even the whole thing with the Thunder having James Harden and then Serge Ibaka, they had a nice young core, and they they – dismantled it even before they can even see what they can come out of. They got one finals appearance, but right. that's yeah. it. So I still th- I still think that was the best point guard he mm-hmm. had. I mean, Curry, too. I mean, no doubt they had so much yeah. success together. Uh, I'm saying Curry and Durant, but I still liked when they had – it's a what if. Right. If they kept both of them and kept all those guys around yeah. for even up till now. And I look at this Brooklyn roster – and next year, I'm saying, at best, their ceiling is a four or a five seed because Kyrie Irving is basically just replacing D'Angelo Russell. You have more depth with Jordan, bringing back Dinwiddie, Temple, mm-hmm. those guys. Yeah, forgot about Dinwiddie. However, it's the same team. It's Rodney Kurooks, it's Joe Harris, it's Karis LeVert, it's Jared Allen. You lost Ed Davis, you lost Shabazz Napier. Um, I think... Brooklyn will finish around the four or five mark without Durant. I think a lot of fans aren't. A lot of fans aren't really expecting the the Nets to be like, oh, this is the team they're going to make the top seed finals run. They're yeah. kind of they kind of know already. Like, all right, we're going to be competitive, but not expecting a deep playoff run. Yeah, I think Mikhail Prokhorov knows that as well. Mm-hmm. So and uh, Joseph Ty. So yeah. credit to Sean Marks, who former Spurs uh, GM. Yes, for what he's done i mean this team was i mean you could say the laughing stock not even a few years ago really and then they made that trade for garnett pierce remember that like that whole thing and then they lost all these draft picks whatever now now they could be one of the best teams in the east that might yeah. have been the most challenging situation to deal with in the history of the nba yeah so yeah i really the trade was like death but fun fact you know sean marks was drafted by the knicks back in 1998 fun fact wow the knicks just started <laughs> oh, I'm going to segue to the next team. We'll talk yes. about that. Look All at right. that segment. So, the Knicks, the losers of NBA free agency. I might just take off my Knicks hat now. This is really bad. Oh, In this hurts. In my <laughs> opinion, the uh, the one good signing that the Knicks made, Julius Randle, a three-year, $63 million deal. 
after losing out on Durant and Kyrie, they weren't willing to give Durant the max, which I think if you're a respectable team, that's smart. Yeah. But if you're the Knicks, you have all this money, you're desperate, you take that risk. And I told, and I was going to say the exact same thing. I agree with you word for word on that. You're the Knicks. You've been also the one of the laughing stocks in the NBA. If you were a team like the Warriors or the Lakers or something that you don't want to give the max, you get it. You're a respectable franchise. You've had success. You don't want to take the risk. Right. The Knicks needed to do that risk. They did. And I, but we'll go. I want to go back to the Julius Randle signing. I like that a lot. People I do forget. Too. I mean, Anthony Davis was kind of the guy over there, but when he was down, Randle was the guy, averaging twenty points, I think nine rebounds a game. And people forget he's one of the top draft picks. Lakers fell out because of Kyle Kuzma, got hurt. Yeah. And I like what they. I like the Knicks signing. I think he'll do really well over there. I think the Knicks, the difference from this year to last year. They do have more names on their team now, and they have a much better starting five than they did last year. Their starting five is pretty much solidified, if you ask me. Dennis Smith, yes. R.J., Knox, Randall, Mitchell Robinson. I Yeah, that's, that's pretty much that's I think their, this. That's their five. Yeah. The Knicks also, I mean, you signed three power forwards within 24 hours of each other. Like, Randall, <laughs> good. Yo, Randall, very good, good yeah. Good for you, because after they lost out on KD, they backed off out of contract talks with Kawhi Leonard because they know how he is. He's not like most NBA players. He's going to take forever and way out And then his you options. would have lost guys like Julius You would have Randall. lost out on guys like that. So Randall, three-year, 63 million makes sense. Bobby Portis, two-years, 31 million does not make sense because the man is a nutcase. <laughs> yeah, he's not horrible, but he's not. with that much money, especially you have Julius Randall, I mean, you said he's a, nut- he's, he's a nutcase. He's had problems before with right. the Bulls. A uh, decent mini run with the Wizards. It was a questionable signing there with Bobby Portis. Well, now you bring him to a big market team. I like the Taj Gibson signing though. I, I two year twenty million. He's coming home. Yeah, I didn't like it at first, but then I thought about it. You know, you want to go young, yes, but every team needs that one veteran in the locker room. He'll work well at Fizdale. He'll be like a coach on the court, and he he's from the area. He's from Brooklyn. Yeah, so thirty four years old. I think he'll be a good veteran presence there. He can still. Good on the defensive end, can get you some rebounds. Yeah, come limited, off the bench. Limited offense, but we'll make up for it on the defensive end. Yeah, for sure. And remember, he played for the Bulls for eight years, then went to the Thunder for half a season, and then played with the Timberwolves the yeah. last three years. So. Been, a, been a quality defensive man um, everywhere he's played. He's one of the oldest players in the league. I remember when he first started, 2008. Crazy. He's still going strong. Good for Taj Gibson. 2009, excuse me. But anyway. I like that signing. I like the Randall signing. The Wayne Ellington signing, you need a shooter. Two years, $16 million. You lost to Zonia. Yeah. So it makes sense. Damian Dobson would be your only bat, like off-the-bench shooter. Right. You kind of want to have another option so there. So bringing Ellington case. was good. Reggie Bullock, two-year, $21 million. Look, I understand you si- you're signing a bunch of power forwards. You're signing a bunch of guards, but you want competition. Yeah. Reggie Bullock, a guy who started for the Lakers at times last year. Yeah, bounced around a lot of teams. The Pistons. Yeah, he could shoot the ball. Suns, Clippers. He's been around. Yeah. Um, I think I want to say this, too. I, At least the Knicks, I give them credit, they didn't give all this money to a huge like B-level free agent. Right. Like, I'll just say Tobias Harris or whatever. I'm just throwing a name out there. They All these guys, they gave them lower-level deals. And after one year, they're all team options. I think except the Randall deal. I think it's two years and an option, but the other ones are all one year and an option. Yeah, well, so this is all trial run. The last guy we've yet to mention, Alfred Payton. Yes, two years, sixteen million. 
What are your thoughts on this? Uh, I, that was a little bit questionable. I mean, he is a good defensive guard, but I f- can't score. That's the problem. And I thought they should have kept Emmanuel Moutier as the backup as opposed to Alfred Payton. But I'll go back to the contracts. I mean, this is all going to be trial runs for these guys. And after one year, say maybe Payton does well for them and Ellington and Gibson. Right. All right, we'll take those options for next year. Mm-hmm. And then guys like Bullock and Portis, all right, we'll let you go. You didn't right. really work yeah, out for yeah. the one year. So I, I give him credit for doing that. It's it's It stinks, you can say, for uh, the Knicks not getting Kevin Durant. But, you know, the, I, as a Knicks fan at this point, you just got to accept what they have now. <laughs> yeah, no, exactly. And it makes sense because you brought in a couple of rookies, Barrett and Brasdikas, mm-hmm. and then you go out there, you sign six guys. You sign six guys. That's a lot more guys than a lot of other teams sign. Mm-hmm. It shows you're making effort to improve yeah. and get better, and you're not just trying to tank for another season. You're yeah. trying to get some movement here to make this a more respectable, reasonable destination for you know, a potential 2020 free agent, or if they're, you know, they'll probably be bad again, in my opinion. So yeah. you'll get a high draft pick next year as well. And you look at their bench right now, what didn't make sense about the Peyton signing is Frank Nitalikina, but that too, the yes. good news, he's basically the same player as Nitalikina. Can't score, yeah. but he's a really good defender. So I think Nitalikina will be moved, yeah. either before the season or at the trade deadline next year. They've kind he, of been trying to for a couple of months just, now, no, and just nobody nothing. really wants him because he's he's a baby. He's twenty years old. Yeah. So I mean, and he's the longest tenured Nick. Yeah, he is the longest-tenured Nick. Just Lance saying. Thomas. Lance wow. Thomas just got waved. Lance Thomas is gone. Luke Cornett signed with Chicago. So the, no, they the were the, is a trailblazer. They were the longest ones at that point. Right, and, and you're then. looking at the Knicks bench next year after those starters. You got Brezdikas, Bullock, Payton, mm-hmm. Nidalekina, Trier, Dotson, Portis, Dotson. So, I mean, it, hey, it, it's not as worse as it was last year. Yeah. We'll put it that way. Mm-hmm. Let's move on to Boston. The Boston Celtics made a big move. Of course, they lost Kyrie Irving, but I think they got somebody that fits their system better. Yeah, They go out and they get Kemba Walker on a four-year, $141 million deal. That's the exact same deal that Brooklyn signed Kyrie for. Yeah. So I'm going to be honest with you. The only drop-off there might be is age. A Walker's like two years older than Kyrie. Yeah, other than that, I think it works fine. I mean, and just, he's a little smaller, but and Kyrie was listen. His Boston Celtics tenure was not great. You know, he on the court, yes, but off the court, it's he was a head case, you could say. And I think, oh yeah, Walker is not that. He gave it his all for the Hornets, especially the last three years where he played pretty much every single game and had twenty-five average like points the last three years. He so averaged he, 26 points a game last yeah, year. He, he will give it his all every night, yeah. and I think Boston fans will love that, and I think he fits. he's in a good situation over there. Kemba Walker did not miss a game last year. Kemba Walker played all 82 games. Mm-hmm. He played 80 the year before. Yeah, you're guaranteed that he will be there the entire season. He played 82 games last year. You want to know how many games Kyrie Irving played last year? 40-something. Uh, he actually played 67. Oh, wow. All right. Well, the year before, he played 60. You're still missing yeah. a quarter of the game. You get more of a d- durability player yes. out of Kemba than you did with Kyrie. And this is big now because you're looking at Boston next year, and you're looking at the starters. It's not bad because you have not Kemba, Jalen Brown, and Jason Tatum are a year older. Mm-hmm. You got Marcus Smart coming off the bench. Yeah. Gordon Hayward, 
a year healthier off that injury. Yeah, now it's two full years off the uh, injury like we talked about yeah. earlier. And with then the they thing. go out and they sign Enos Cantor to a two-year, $10 million deal, and I think that's great. I, I think like, he'll start at center. I like that move a lot. I do. Uh, not too. limited a little on the offensive end, but he will. he's one of the better rebounders in the I'd league. I'd say more defensive end for Cantor. Oh, yeah. No, he's definitely a— He's one of the best offensive players at his position, I think. Averaging 13 points a game, 14 points Yeah, I mean, like, on the, like he, the block shots he's limited in, whatever, but he can get you the offensive glass. Yeah, he's just not good at defense. Mm-hmm. And he shoots well over 50% from the field. Yeah. He'll shoot around 55 60% from the field. He'll get you anywhere between 8 to 10 rebounds a game. Or 8 to, you know, he'll get a lot more, but on average. And I think this is good because Boston, they also – they lost Aaron Baines. Yeah. And Aaron Baines, not only did they lose Aaron Baines, they lost Al Horford. Yeah. They lost Kyrie Irving, Al Horford, and Aaron Baines. And Marcus Morris. And is Marcus probably, Morris. Well, he hasn't been signed yet, but. He, he's not coming back. Yeah, after all these moves, now he's not going to come back. This is huge. Mm-hmm. You, you realize this. Yeah. This is huge because you re-signed Daniel Tyson. The Boston Celtics had a problem because they had the three centers and only two of them played. Mm-hmm. You know, Tice was a guy who had very limited minutes that were taken away by Baines, mm-hmm. who's headed to Phoenix now. Mm-hmm. Tice, I think, will emerge as a consistent backup center guy out of Germany. Mm-hmm. And then they re-signed Wanamaker, who is probably going to be the backup point guard because Boston lost Terry Rozier. And a battle with Carson Edwards yes. for the backup spot. They'll too. battle, which you ask yourself and you're like, well, why did they sign a third point guard? You need competition. You can't, you know, it's not good for a rookie to not have any competition. Yeah. Even which, for, it makes sense. Even for an older guy. If, I'd agree. You know, they think, oh, this is my spot I can run. Somebody off that bench becomes hot, you're down. So that's what Boston did, which they lost guys, but they added guys. Uh, Philly. They sign Al Horford, former Celtic, four-year, $109 million deal. They max Tobias Harris, five-year, $180 million. Those were their two major core signings mm-hmm. because they lost two of their key starters in J.J. Redick and Jimmy Butler, mm-hmm. the sign-and-trade deal with Miami in the three-team deal, uh, which, Fonz, I'm going to ask you this. Is this a better starting lineup than last year? You know what? I it's a lot bigger. It's a lot. It's a lot bigger. I mean, we'll also talk with the Jimmy Butler sign trade. They got Josh Richardson. We'll Back. talk about him later. Yeah. And uh, I think he's like six six, six seven. He's a tall uh, shooting guard. He'll be playing two. Yeah, it's a the tall lineup. I think the question is now with JJ Redick. They don't have sh- shooters now. I mean, Tobias Harris can. Al Horford, Horford can. can kinda, Richardson uh, can. 16, 17 points a game last it, year with the Heat. Is it better? You know what? I, I think you could make the argument. I'm not too sure. I kind of. It's one of nobody can score on him. Fun. That's uh, nobody I, will be able to score on him. I do. I the, the Tobias one. I gotta say. I mean, I do like Tobias, but that might have been a little too much money for him. Oh, yeah. just a little bit. I, I believe. And the Horford one. I was. I so he's gonna play the four now. I'm assuming, right? Yeah. Horford's the four, and then Joel Embiid at the five. Yeah, surprise. Horford's a good veteran. You know, he's been around for a while. So it, it, he'll definitely help out with Joel Embiid, who at times, you know, he's good. There's no doubt. But when he gets to the playoffs or late in the season, he gets injured or he's out of shape or whatever. He's not available or he struggles. So having a guy like Al Horford to rely on is definitely good for the 76ers if they want to take that next step. I just My concern is I don't think there's a lot of depth with scoring because after Embiid, Simmons, and Harris, 
you have Josh Richardson. Yes, your starters can score. That's I think, great. I think and Richardson Horford. will start. I think so. Th- those are your five. But you look at your bench. James Ennis the third. Uh, Kyle O'Quinn, who they signed. They they brought Mike Scott back on a two year nine and a half million dollar deal. I like that. Yeah, hard nosed. Uh, you know, tough O'Quinn player. O'Quinn, the one year veteran minimum. Same with Raul Nato. Yes, him too. So they brought those guys in. They, I just think the lack of scoring off the bench might be a concern. And they drafted uh, Matisse Thibel, one of the better defenders out of the draft. Yes, you know that's also a guy who's going to be coming off coming off the bench for them. And Cormex, Cormex, him, yeah. mm-hmm, him too. So we'll see. Big uh, changes, a lot of change. I'm looking now at the yeah. free agents on the list for 76 they have now. That's a lot of different, a completely different team you're going to see here. Yeah, very, very different type of team. Now. Toronto, they didn't do much this offseason besides Kawhi Leonard. We don't know exactly uh, what's had, going to happen with they him. They only had one draft pick in late in the second, and it was like Dwayne uh, Hernandez from Miami. Yeah. It was like of the 59th pick. So they, that, they didn't really do anything. They really did not do anything except Danny Green and Kawhi Leonard are both free agents, two of their starters from last year. And, you know, they, they re-signed Marcus All. They picked up the option. So he picked gonna... up the option. Uh, Pascal Siakam. I think he has two more years in his rookie deal. Serge Ibaka's coming back. Van Vliet. You know, they're bringing back a lot of the – it's basically the same team as last year. Yeah, they have all their guys. There's no one on free Juan Hernandez, yeah. So it's just the matter of will Kawhi Leonard and Danny Green come back. And that's, that's the big the question. question. I, I personally, for me, just I would like to see him back. Both of them on the Raptors definitely will have a nice balance in the NBA. I think if Kawhi some, was smart, he'd come back. Yeah, we've seen that a lot too, like where there's – Overabundance in the conference, or whatever. Balance it out. It's Kawhi. Go to the Raptors. The runners up in the East, the Milwaukee Bucks. So they started off the offseason by waving George Hill. Then they signed him back to a three year, $29 million deal. Mm-hmm. This might be a little lengthy for Milwaukee, but um, he was a very solid backup point guard to Eric Bledsoe last year. Mm-hmm. I think this is a very good deal, especially with Miritich leaving for Barcelona and losing Malcolm Brogdon to the Pacers for a four year. $85 million deal. This was critical that they bring George Hill back after that. And the Bucks, I mean, they did their job. They knew they weren't going to be able to keep everybody. Yeah. Because they locked up Middleton, five-year five, deal. Yeah, big, Brooke, big contract. Brooke Bledsoe, four-year, $51 million. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I like the Middleton, five-year, $178 million, though. Yeah, I think if I was the Bucks, I would have rather have kept Malcolm Brogdon and let Milton walk. That's what I was thinking too, because Brogdon's a really good defender, a good two-way guard. And he can play and, not and only a point shooter. guard; he can play both guard positions. Yeah. And you, Pal Gasol's probably not coming back to Milwaukee unless they re-sign him on a vet minimum. Uh, they also um, they went out and signed Brooks' brother, Robin Lopez. First time they played together since Stanford. Two-year, ten million dollar deal. That's a good point. And then. But in return for Brogdon, the Pacers in return got a first-rounder and two future second-round picks for him. Mm-hmm. And then the Pacers just signed their starting shooting guard for next year in Wesley Matthews, two-year yeah. minimum. But actually, my man, number 24, Pat Connaughton, might give him some trouble. Mm. Do you think Pat might have a shot at beating out Wesley Matthews for the starting two-guard spot? That's the real question now. Hmm. Because this is where it gets interesting, because their bench is deep. Matthews is a wing, former Marquette star. 
Last year for the Pacers, he only played 23 games. Yeah, he averaged around about 11 points a game. Where Pat Connaughton has a full year in the system. He was the sixth man for a while when everybody was hurt. Yeah. And Connaughton, seven points a game, 46% from the field, had a, grabbed in a lot of rebounds. Former trailblazer, young player, player on the rise. Mm-hmm. You bring back Ursan Ilyasova, and you look at uh, Milwaukee's bench, potentially. If Matthews starts, that'll be their five. Bledsoe, Matthews, Giannis, uh, Middleton, and Lopez. You got Robin, Ilyasova, Connaughton, George mm-hmm. Hill, DiVincenzo. They have, a, they have a lot of depth. Yeah, but the, the, the Malcolm Brogdon one I think hurts is going to hurt them a little bit. Yeah. All right, guys. On that note, we're going to step aside for a quick break. When we come back, we will talk more NBA free agency. You're listening to Review and Preview here on liuwave.org. Review and Preview. Welcome back to Review and Preview, folks. I am your host, Tom Scavetta. Join alongside James Montefusco and Fonz DeFalco. We are talking NBA free agency at the moment. Other moves, the Indiana Pacers we're going to talk about now. They grabbed Jeremy Lamb, three-year, $31.5 million deal, and TJ McConnell along with Ty Warren. I think that's a good move for them because Darren Collison just retired. Yeah. So I like it. Team yeah, I, like, I like it. It uh, completes their guard rotation as the backups to Brogdon and um, an eventual return to Victor Oladipo. So I like those moves a lot. Yeah, and they lost Thaddeus Young. Yeah. They lost Darren Collison, but they're bringing back a good core in Miles Turner, DeMontis Sabonis, who I think will start at the four this year. He'll ben. take that next step. Mm-hmm. Uh, they lost Bogdanovich, though, as well. Yeah, that's the one thing, too. Oladipo. Um, will be back off his in, in, in injury. And it'll be interesting to see how that unfolds. The Indiana Pacers also signing Malcolm Brogdon. Like you said um, sign and trade. earlier, Fonz, the sign and trade. Uh, so we'll see how that unfolds for Indiana. They, uh, they should be pretty good. I mean, I know they lost Kyle O'Quinn, but they bring Doug McDermott back as well, TJ yeah. Leaf. They have three uh, TJs on their team. Yeah. Should be TJ Warren. No, that's a stat That's a stat of the day for you. I, I do like what Indiana has done. I mean, they're not, it's not a free agent destination for a lot of the stars, but they're building something nice over there, getting a lot of uh, lower-level free agents, but they work together. So I really like what uh, Indiana the Pacers have done so far. And it's good when they work all together. Yeah, so... It'll be interesting to see what the Pacers can do. They'll probably be around the middle of the pack. Maybe they could jump into the top three if Full Depot's healthy yeah, in the, the East. Even when he wasn't healthy, you know, he's he's been up there in the top. So I they've been at the top even without Old Depot, excuse me. So I they're very very consistent recently, the past few seasons. So the Pacers are they're doing really well. Nate McMillan is a great coach for them. Yeah. So I, I really do like what Indiana's doing. We'll see what happens with them. The Orlando Magic lock up Nikola Vukovic, four years, $100 million. That was the first move of the night. Uh, Ross, four years, $54 million. Bringing him back, I don't know if I like that. That's too much money. Yeah, I think I'll say quickly, though, with the Orlando Magic, it's not a free agent destination. Uh, they want to – you want to have the guys here, you got to pay them a little extra. So I think right. Vucevic – I mean, Vucevic earns the money, but Ross – Toronto wasn't really good as a starter, but it's been a really good backup for them. Right. And he was their sixth man, so solidifies their bench. And Al Farouk Aminu doesn't score, but a solid defender for them. 
And I think that's what the Magic need to have off the bench. Signed Aminu, three years, 29 million, former Trailblazer. James, we have a caller. All right, caller, please uh, state your name and tell us where you are from. Hey, what's up, guys? This is Travis out in Portland. How you doing? Travis Demers, how's it going? Good, how you doing? Good, good. Now, you're fresh off a Portland Trailblazers playoff run. Thanks for joining us on the show, by the way. Uh, Sure thing. How how was that? I know it didn't end the way maybe you would have liked, but what was the experience just getting to do that? Uh, it was incredible, man. I mean, just obviously getting to, to call playoff games, doing a, a four-overtime game, getting to call a game seven on the road. And then, you know, we go out to Denver for game seven. You know, if we got to pack for a week. And if we lose, that's it. We go home. And if we win, we go straight to San Francisco to play the Warriors right after that. So not knowing – what was going to happen when we flew into Denver for Game 7 and the, the plane ride from Denver to San Francisco right after that game. It was, it was incredible. Just the, the whole ride was was awesome. So, yeah, we're very proud of you, and I'm sure that was, that was definitely awesome. And Portland now, they're heading into free agency. They gave Dame the Supermax. But what are your thoughts on their free agency so far? I think they've done a good job. I mean, you know, nobody that they brought in, is an all-star. Nobody they brought in is a you know Hall of Famer or a max contract type of guy. But what they did is they got better pieces that fit this team. I mean, Evan Turner was you know he was a three that could run the point when he was in the game with Damon CJ, but he was never a three-point shooter. He never quite fit offensively. Heard you guys talking about Al Farouk Aminu. Yeah, he could play solid defense, but just don't want him shooting very often. Maurice Harkless, same kind of thing. He could play solid defense, wasn't a great offensive player. So you upgrade those shooting positions, and now you don't have the issues you had in the playoffs the last couple of years. We play good defensive teams where they're just going to key in on you know Lillard and McCollum and make somebody else beat you because there isn't anybody else who could beat you. Well, now with Rodney Hood coming back, you add Kent Bazemore who can shoot. Um, you know, you, you added Hassan Whiteside who can fill the void for Yusuf Nurkic for whenever it is that he comes back, whether that's Christmas or the All-Star break or whatever that is. And now with so many other teams getting better in the Western Conference, you don't have to worry about having that giant hole at the center position to start the year and getting off to a slow start for whenever it is that Dirk comes back. I think they did a great job. Right, because Myers would have been penciled in as the starter, I'm assuming, before the trade. Probably, yeah. Now, so far, Portland in free agency, they re-signed Rodney Hood, which was great. They brought in Hazonia, Tolliver, and Nasir Little via the draft. Travis, what would you say was their best move so far or maybe their most Probably, exciting addition the most exciting addition around here has been Hassan Whiteside I mean nobody expected that we heard some some rumblings that there was a potential deal before the draft but because Whiteside hadn't opted in until after the draft they they couldn't make that deal and it worked out because they ended up drafting uh this year little who they would have probably had to include in that trade and then Miami brought it back to the table when they needed to clear some space for Jimmy Butler um, I really like the move to bring back Rodney Hood, though. Nobody expected him to be available at the taxpayer mid-level exception, and he was. So now he can slide in and start at the three. Uh, I think that, that is a, a huge move for them. But all of the guys that you know fans had been really hot and cold on, Evan Turner, Al Farouk Aminu, Myers Leonard, Maurice Harkless, they're all gone. And those were guys that had, had obviously some of them had been here a while and some of them hadn't lived up to their contracts, but now – you're not going to have some of those shots that hit the side of the backboard and some of those turnovers. I, I think all the moves are really good, but the, the white side move is probably the most exciting. Right. Now, 
you talked about the guys that have left, and I don't know. I feel like the bench has kind of been completely revamped for the better, yeah. and even a couple of the starters. I mean, you look at the guys who departed, Aminu, Harkless, Curry, Leonard, Cantor, and the most recent one, Jake Lehman. Uh, who would you say you might miss the most out of those guys and who contributed the most that you think might give Portland a little bit of a, you know, not really a downgrade, but who would they miss them? Who would leave the biggest hole, if any? It's tough because all those guys added something. I mean, they were never going to resign Curry, so he leaves for $8 million a year for four years. Yeah, long story short is none of those guys are guys that can't be replaced. I mean, Cantor, right. you know, you don't need him anymore because you have white side. Uh, Curry obviously gave you some space in the floor, but now Anthony Simons is going to be able to play uh, after sitting most of last year. Uh, I don't really think there's anybody that left that, that can't be replaced. You still have your core. You still have Dame and CJ. I mean, uh, you, you brought back Rodney Hood. Kent Bazemore is around. Zach Collins is going to start at the four now. And you have white side until Murphy's healthy. I think all things considered, with being a tax-paying team. I don't know if they could have done better. Yeah, right. that was Travis Demers from Portland, Oregon. Now let's get to free agency. Travis brought up a good point. Yeah. Uh, Zach Collins moves up to the four now. This makes room for other guys to really uh, take over. Yeah, Collins was the 10th overall selection, I believe, uh, yeah. two years ago. Uh, didn't really play a lot his first uh, couple. Well, he did play, but not really starters minutes. And now that all these guys are gone, yeah. it's going to move Collins at the four and then Whiteside at the five. You got a nice, uh, what is it, front court up there with the we two. Do. You do. Yeah. And I like Portland, like you said, you, they had them as their team of the week. And I, I will say, too, Portland's also like an interesting team to look at, too, for the Western Conference. Right. It's a nice, even conference now, I feel like. It's no longer the Golden State Warriors is the top dog. There's so many other teams now, I think, that could compete with the top seed. Which I do like because yeah. I'm tired of seeing Golden State. From somebody that doesn't watch it, but it's see Golden State every year yeah. in the finals, to see Portland that was very close last season mm-hmm. to potentially could be again this season. Yeah. Um, and like what you guys are saying, they have, there's other people to get. There's other teams where they could give the Warriors or the top dog a run at. Yeah, and then you got the Jazz, yeah, the Denver Nuggets. Uh, I mean, the Lakers, I mean, when you ever have LeBron James and Anthony Davis, you're going to be considered up there. I mean, maybe a couple of years. The Pelicans, uh, the Clippers, literally can make a, a, an argument for every team in the Western Conference that they should deserve a playoff spot or be in the running for a playoff spot. Same thing with the East, too. It's just you hope that with Kawhi, if he stays in the, the East with the Raptors, it's a nice power balance, like I said, yeah. between all 30 teams in the uh, NBA. Yeah, there's no East or West that's uh, higher than the other, which was, which would be good. But then again, you you know how the NBA is. Yeah. You know, you get one guy draw, draws to everybody. Yeah. And then you have one bad game. Injuries or, happen yep. and whatever, yeah. Now, other stuff we got to talk about with the Warriors and what they did this offseason. Now, Andre Iguodala is gone. He was traded to the Grizzlies, part of the D'Angelo Russell deal, but he probably won't stay I think he, uh, in Memphis. I think he will get bought out once the – I think tomorrow's when the – League year officially starts. Yeah. Team signed contracts. Then he'll get bought out by them. They lost Jordan Bell to the Timberwolves. Yeah, and surprisingly, they were able to re-sign Kevon Looney, three years, fifteen million. I think that was surprising because nobody expected him to come back. Yeah, he he did really well in his third year with the or fourth year with the Warriors. He yeah. proved a lot. Uh, come back, give him come back with a cheap deal now because you got so many guys being paid in Gold State. Uh, I, I like Kevon Looney there. He probably will be. 
the starting center, I think, yes. maybe competing will. with Willie Cauley Stein, another new addition for minutes at the the excuse me the five spot. He pushed Boogie out of Golden State and signing Willie Cauley Stein to a, a minimum deal. I think Cauley Stein will come off the bench. I don't think he'll start. I yeah, think Looney has earned himself that starting position. Never panned out to the top selection he was for the Sacramento Kings. Yes. Was good yeah. for them, but never really was. I think he was like the eighth or ninth, very high right. draft pick. Didn't live up to it. Now he goes to Golden State. He'll probably take a lesser role, and he'll probably be good for them too. Now they maxed out Clay Thompson, but now the real question is, will D'Angelo Russell stay? You know, I think for the time being, it's kind of weird because they're both main bringing up the ball point guards. It's not like Clay where he can play off the ball. Right. D'Angelo Russell and Steph Curry both need to bring up the ball. Right. I wasn't expecting this to happen. It's interesting to see. Um, it's, it's a way for them to get something back for Kevin Durant, who, you know, obviously was their best player for them or one of. Do I think D'Angelo Russell will stay? I think so, but maybe once Clay Thompson's back, they'll look to trade him out, maybe get some trade value for him. Well, I think Russell is – I just hate to say that and use the word expendable for D'Angelo Russell. That's what I'm – yeah, I don't want to but say But you've seen the number one star for Brooklyn last year, and he's there in Golden State now. Him and Curry in that backcourt should be great. Yeah. I think where Curry might be able to take a backseat and play more of a shooting guard. Yeah. And Russell can run the point a little bit, but, I mean, Curry's the leader of that team. Yeah. No, no doubt. It'll be them two, Draymond, Kavon Looney, Willie Cauley-Stein, pick your poison there. Yeah. And then uh, the small forward position is really the only question. I mean, I know they uh, they got Jordan Poole in the draft, Smolajic, and yeah, it's they a, got it's, one it's other a, player. It's going to so be a competition for Eric them. Eric Paschal off the bench. Yeah, it's going to be a competition for them. This is a completely different Warriors team than we've seen the past couple of seasons. And even Clay Thompson's not even going to be there. He probably won't even play. Maybe right. he'll play. If they the make the playoffs end. and they really need him, they, yeah, the they last might. week and just to warm him up and then whatever. Right. Yeah. But yeah, this is a completely different team that we've seen in the past few years. And they go out and sign Glenn Robinson on a two-year deal, which I think is key too, because the Warriors lacked a lot of depth last year. They, uh, so we saw it too. Did. Durant got hurt. Yeah, uh, Clay got hurt. Uh, Curry was a little bit banged up here yeah. and there. Yeah, who are their backups? I really exactly, stay. Who would yeah. the name a uh, backup who stepped up for the Warriors? Can't say Bogut or Zarepko or. Quinn Cook. I mean, Quinn Cook stepped up here and there. But in the regular season, I feel like, too, really. It, it was very difficult, which Quinn Cook, the Warriors reluctantly resigned his offer, so Quinn Cook will not be back yeah, more than likely. He's still a free agent. He hasn't been signed up. A team will still pick a him free up. Agent. The Knicks were furiously working on a sign-and-trade with him, but I don't think they're going to bring him <laughs> in now, signing uh, Alfred Payton, which I think was a mistake. I would have preferred Quinn Cook over him. Oh, no, I would have definitely done that, too, but I don't think you should sign him now with now four point guards on exactly. your roster. Uh Unless they let go to Frank Nielakita. That's that if they right. do. The Chicago Bulls, they signed Thaddeus Young. Yes. Three year, forty one million dollar deal. They get Thomas Sedaransky, three year thirty mil in a sign and trade with the Wizards. And then they signed former Nick Luke Cornett yeah. to a two year deal. I like the future of this Bulls team. I really like it. I mean Zach Levine, you drafted Kobe White, I think Chicago got the steal of the draft with yeah. him at seven. That's your backcourt marketing. And Wendell Carter Jr. and Otto Porter Jr. That yeah. might be your starting five right there. Yeah, I mean, I mean, it might be a little bit too much for Thaddeus Young. I mean, he's good, but that's like starter money. It's kind of like with the DeAndre Jordan thing. He will come off the bench. I mean, you do need a veteran person for a young Bulls team. Yeah, they're going through a youth movement, and Thaddeus Young can still get you nightly, you know, ten points off the bench and get you a solid defensive outing. And we can't forget about their rookie Daniel Gafford out of Arkansas. Yes, he's another solid player who's yeah. making noise in the summer league right now. Yeah. I think Jim Boylan, I know he was an interim head coach. I don't know if he'll be there long term, but he's helping this movement, trying to get Chicago back to 
a winning culture, which was kind of derailed a little bit by Tom Thibodeau, Fred Hoiberg. Yeah, that really that was a yeah, like you said, derailment from that with guys like they had uh was it Luol Deng, yeah, Derek Rose, and then to- a young Todd Gibson back then. So a young yeah, Todd a d- Gibson, a, d- <laughs> a different time now for the Chicago yes. Bulls. The Charlotte Hornets, the only move they really made, signing Terry Rozier, former Celtic, three years, fifty-eight million, uh, overpaid. But hey, I mean, I kind of like it because we saw glimpses of Rozier being a scoring machine for them when yeah. Kyrie was out. I and I think now being the guy in Charlotte, I'm not saying he's going to take him to like the playoffs, do whatever, not all star, right. yeah. but I think he has the potential to be one of those guys that averages like 20 points in Charlotte, as because he's going to be the guy there. Yeah, I'm assuming, and then. Because you don't know what Malik Bunk, Miles um, Bridges, and there's who else do they have there? Dwayne Bacon as the backup. You know, I'm trying to think who else they. Have. Nick Batum might be on the outs, Charlotte. So that's he's going to be the guy there. They just lost Kaminsky, so yeah, they really don't have much of a team there now with Kemba gone. They're mm-hmm. going to be one of the worst teams in the league this year, yeah. I think. Uh, the Cleveland Cavaliers, the only team that has not had a transaction reported. Very weird. It is. it is. I mean, you got Sexton and Garland in the backcourt with potentially Love coming back. And Kevin Porter Jr. is a backup. Yep. Wizards, Ish Smith, Thomas Bryant, Isaiah Thomas, not much movement there. Uh, Wall and Beal, question marks. Beal, I don't know what's going to happen with him, but the Wizards. Thomas Bryant I do like. I mean, he is a yeah. young player for them, and he did develop nicely for them with more playing time. Yeah. He didn't play a lot with the Lakers. So, I mean, they want to keep him around, maybe see what they can get out of him. Right. So I do like that move they did. The Atlanta Hawks get Chandler Parsons in exchange for Solomon Hill and Miles Plumley mm-hmm. from the Grizzlies. I think it's the only move they really did. No, no signings of anybody. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, except for the draft, which they made well, some yeah. noise there. Oh yeah, I mean, uh, <laughs> Parsons is one of those guys that remember back when he left Houston, he was like one of the top free agents. Where it's like this guy, give him a, a bigger role and he's going to flourish. Slight d- disappointment and did not work with the Mavericks and the Grizzlies. Let's hope he can do something with the the Hawks. And he's still only thirty years old. Mm-hmm. And he's six ten. He's a big guy. Mm-hmm. So, uh, ninety four million dollar mistake, in other words, made by the Memphis Grizzlies, in my opinion, mm-hmm. they owed to Chandler Parsons. Yeah. <laughs> the Detroit Pistons signed Derrick Rose, two years, fifteen million, coming off an eighteen point per game year for the Timberwolves. Had that ecstatic fifty point game. And I like it's really great to see Derrick Rose back. You know, remember there was times where you're like, is he still going to be the same player? And we saw glimpses of that, and I like that a lot. And I'm happy to see him back in the Pistons. Maybe he can compete with Reggie Jackson as a starting point guard, really. He, Reggie Jackson might not be in their plans long term for the starting point guard spot. I think Rose has a legitimate shot to rejuvenate uh, himself in this league, James. Yeah, yeah. no, I agree. I think, um, you know, being around new people and stuff can definitely help him. And yeah. even, you know, uh New players, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. different uh, different challenges ahead can also reinvent somebody. We got to run down the wire here, guys. They also got Tim Frazier and Markeith Morris on a two-year deal. The Miami Heat, of course, the Jimmy Butler four-team trade, and then they end up trading Whiteside to Portland for Mo Harkless and Myers Leonard. Harkless was later dealt to the Clippers as part of that Butler deal. The Clippers acquired Harkless in a future first-round pick from the Heat as the Sixers got Josh Richardson and then the Butler deal for Miami, the four-year, $142 million deal. We talked to Travis about Portland. Mm-hmm. The Suns 
Ricky Rubio, three-year, 51 deal. Was this necessary? I don't know if it makes them a legitimate team still. They should have done more to try to get D'Angelo Russell, in my opinion. I yeah. think he would have been a better fit with them than Ricky Rubio. Ricky Rubio is good, but not three years, $51 million, a guy who can't shoot. Right. And Kaminsky, two-year, $10 million deal. Spurs bring in Carroll and Rudy Gay, veterans, to help them. Yeah. Keep them as a consistent team. Aldridge. The Spurs are an older team, but they have the a lot real of young question for too. them, DeJounte Murray, is going to be the real question mark. Mm-hmm. And if he can come back and be healthy, they could be a legitimate team in the West again next mm-hmm. year for the playoffs. Now, Fonz, um, before we get to y- your Sacramento Kings, who you have very <laughs> high hopes on them this year, just recap what the Pelicans did after getting Zion. J.J. Redick, two-year, $26.5 million deal. Good signing for them, mm-hmm. a shooter that's needed. And Darius Miller. Back on a two-year, fourteen and a half, fourteen and a quarter million dollar deal, yep. which I like pairing Redick with Drew Holiday in that backcourt. Of course, you got Lonzo Ball now, Brandon mm-hmm. Ingram, Josh Hart, Zion Williamson. So, and I nice. think they signed Derek Favors. Too. Uh, there's been links to him being signed. I don't know if they did anything yet, but there's been rumors going around. I don't know if the Jazz officially bought him out yet, or because they have to wait for the new league year to happen. But I think uh, he'll probably. You're right. Yes, they have to wait for it to happen. But I think there's there's been links, and I think that would be a good fit in there. Another veteran person there. So let's get to the Sacramento King, Kings here, quick here. They bring Barnes back. Yes. Sign a veteran, Trevor Ariza, mm-hmm. Corey Joseph, mm-hmm. and Dwayne Dedman. Yeah. Three years, forty million. What are your thoughts on the Kings and this deal right here? I really like what the Kings are doing, which is weird because you never would say that with the Kings. Uh, they have a good lineup with De'Aaron Fox, Buddy Hield. Uh, Marvin Bagley, now Harrison Barnes, uh, the center will be Dwayne Dedman now. Then you got Harry Giles off the bench, Ariza, Corey Joseph, Bojan, Bogdanovich. The other one, not the one on the Jazz. Is Bogdan, yeah. Bogdan, sorry. Yeah, sorry. sorry um, they did well with it. The, they've missed some draft. They've missed on a couple of draft picks, but they've gotten with Fox and uh, recently Marvin Bagley. And I like what they're doing. they got a good youth movement going there. And i got to say this, the Knicks may be my team. But the Sacramento Kings are my Western Conference team. I'm going to say it right there. Do not sleep on the Sacramento Kings. Yikes. Yeah, I'm going to say it now. I like what they're doing. I'm really – and Dwayne Dedman did really well for them. At Atla- did really well in Atlanta, excuse me. Double-double machine. can shoot the threes and also defend. He'll be good stability at the center spot for them. I would say more Kings playoffs than representing the Western Conference. I would really, really think they. Oh could well, well, I meant sleeper, like I meant I meant sleeper team. They can get up there with the Jazz too. I mean the Jazz I like, but I think the Kings are you know don't sleep on the Kings. I say the Kings at best. And again, I'm going to say at best because I know Dawes is a big Kings fan. Our engineer James. Oh, Dawes, honestly, if he was here, he would have a field day with his Kings. Uh, I I say six, seven seed at best right now. Yeah, well, we'll, we'll give it season... another. I think maybe in a year or two, but I think right now yeah. they could make some noise in a lower tier uh, playoff bracket. Memphis um, gets Valanchunas three-year, $45 million deal back, and Dwight Howard traded to the Grizzlies for C.J. Miles. Grizzlies plan to drop him. Yeah. Uh, Clippers bring in, well, they re-sign Patrick Beverly, three-year deal, not much movement there. The Lakers, <laughs> they get Jared Dudley and Troy Daniels on a couple of one-year pairings, and you know, I really don't get this right now. They're not signing these role players. There's rumors of Andre Iguodala, Kyle Korver. They they really are putting all their eggs in one basket that Kawhi Leonard is going to the Lakers. And if he and doesn't, you're going to get stuck re-signing Rondo again to run the point. Lance Stevenson coming back. Lance you're going to have to probably back. bring them all back. Kyle Korver. Uh, you're going to have to bring all these guys back because there's nobody on the roster. And then 
I know LeBron's great and Anthony Davis are one of the top seven NBA players, both of them. But they're not guaranteed the playoffs with those two. They're yeah, not. you can't do it. You, this league, you you need more talent around them, and yeah. you better hope that Kawhi Leonard goes to the Los Angeles Lakers if they're holding up on not signing anybody. Folks, tonight just an update: Zion Williamson will be playing against R.J. Barrett as the Pelicans and Knicks each make their summer league debuts against that, each other. I'm gonna. That's gonna be a fun game to watch. Be a fun game to watch and. Other news, of course, the Dallas Mavericks, they fully maxed Kristaps Porzingis. They signed Seth Curry, as Travis said before, yeah. Max Kleber, four-year, $35 million deal, and then Boban Marjanovic, yeah. two years, $7 million. A lot of Sixers players and fans not happy about Boban. Yeah, the, the, good, KP good one, the KP one we kind of expected, though. One of the more we've expected free agent moves here to stay with the Dallas Mavericks. Yeah. And then, of course, the Utah Jazz we like what they've done mm-hmm. with adding Michael Conley, Bogdanovich, four-year, $73 million deal, Ed Davis, Moutier, Jeff Green, mm-hmm. good moves. And then, you know, I think Utah, Portland, Golden State, Houston, there's a lot of teams that could compete again this year in the West. Denver. Yeah, oh, Denver. Denver really didn't they, make many They moves. resigned Jamal Murray to the max contract, Besides, which is good. They yeah. needed to do that. And Paul Millsap, they picked up his option. Besides that, yeah, I mean, they really haven't done too too much but but they did well with that core they got the max Keep with that what they have and try it again this year and see what you can do houston's bringing their role players back gerald green austin rivers uh you know they're, they're really it's just hard because right now really nobody's sticking out this year because of the warriors dropping off a little bit yeah. you know i mean mm-hmm. you got to consider the thunder they brought muscala noel is back alec burks former jazz player mm-hmm but we've pretty much gone through all the teams, Fonz. We've pretty much gone through everybody and what they've yeah. been able to do. Yeah. And day one of free agency, seven teams agreed to their largest contract in franchise history, with Lillard the, being the lead dog. Yeah. Crazy. And, of course, the best available remaining free agents, Kawhi Leonard, Marcus Morris, Danny Green, Boogie, Oubre, Jabari Parker, Rondo, Quinn Cook. Kenneth Farid, all these guys. We'll see where they end up in the next couple of weeks. Big drop-off after Kawhi. Yeah. And then Thanasis Antetokounmpo, a two-year deal with the Bucks. Former Nick for a couple of games. Yeah. And uh, brothers with Greek Freak. Yeah. And it's a, always good to have a nice sibling. They have two sets of siblings now with Brooke and Robin Crazy. Lopez. And- that should be really interesting. Uh, now, next week we won't have a show, guys, but we'll be back in two weeks on the wave. We'll do a dark episode next week for July 12th. It will not be aired live. But until then, we'll f- answer some more questions in two weeks of how wide open the West actually is, yeah. how much has the East improved, and the winners and losers of free agency. We'll analyze that a little bit more in two weeks. Yeah. But until then, on behalf of James Montefusco, Fonz DeFalco, I'm your host, Tom Scavetta, wishing you all a good evening. You've been listening to Review and Preview here on The Wave, the sound of of LIU. Good night, everyone.